Welcome, Wealthy Teacher listeners. Uh, we are back here with another interview with Raquel Hellinga. I was told to say it like I'm angry. So Hellinga <laughs> is here to join us uh, for a nice interview. And so I'm excited to hear your story and how you make money teaching online. Yeah, I am super excited to be here. I've been listening um, to Lindsay and following her stuff. Uh, sorry, Derek. <laughs> um, for oh, that's fine. I'm a, I'm a ghost He's new for a super. <laughs> He's been behind for it all a super though. long time uh, as an academic, and before I ever started anything. And it's it's really full circle and cool for me to be here. So super excited to be on. Yay. Awesome. Well, let's start with that academic background. Um, tell us a little bit about, yeah, your, um, whatever you studied, like what you were teaching and, and are teaching, uh, depending on where you're at in your journey. Sure. So I went, uh, like an hour away from home to school initially kind of thought that I would study fine arts, um, which we can kind of get into is kind of part of my overall story, but had to kind of walk away because mm. of chronic illness stuff and wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And <laughs> if any of my students hear this, this is hilarious, but I ended up <laughs> I ended up choosing to study communication, like in the kind of the, um, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Like the reputation of communication is like students that don't know what they mm. want to do with their lives. <laughs> Yeah, yep, which yep, is partially yep. true. I was a comm yeah. major and when I first started college, I totally <laughs> We all start somewhere. Yep. Um yep. so I ended up going into that because it's it was broad, it kind of encompassed a lot of things that I enjoyed and really got into like how people relate to each other, which was fascinating to me. And I wasn't really planning on going to grad school, at least not right away. And my program was piloting this like one year accelerated master's program. And then they're like, hey, we'll give you a discount. You don't have to take the GRE. We're only inviting a few people to do it. So I was like, why not? You know, let's just do an extra year. Um, and really enjoyed it. It was mm. probably still one of the hardest things I've ever done. I really don't recommend doing grad school fast. Like why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, mm -hmm. There's just not a real reason. But, you know, at that point in my life, I was just like, all the accolades, all the achievements. Um, so I went through that. And for a little while after grad school, I had like an eight to five and absolutely hated it. <laughs> mm. Just the setup of an eight to five, like regardless of what I was doing in there wouldn't have mattered. And coming to terms with that not being an option for me was really tough because mm. of health stuff, but also just because I hated it. <laughs> like eight to five yeah. is just so regimented, um, not for me. And so I had like a regular job for a little while and couldn't do it, didn't want to do it. And my school, my grad school was like, why don't you come be an adjunct for us? So I have kind of this backwards tumbling into adjuncting and academia. Like it was not really a purposeful journey. <laughs> I just kind of ended up there. <laughs> <laughs> We've had all types of stories. Sometimes it's like the day I was born, I knew right. I was going to be yeah. a professor. <laughs> right. And then there's the accidental professor for sure. Yeah. Um, so after that, you know, I have been teaching as an adjunct in communication for like eight years. Um. Hmm. 
I have moved to just teaching online hybrid stuff while oh, cool. I'm kind of ramping up my business and working through that. But it was kind of the perfect transition for me. Like I always knew I wanted to do my own thing. It kind of solidified my love for teaching, which is really mm. interesting how that's kind of formed into my business. Mm-hmm. But it solidified mm-hmm. my love for teaching and really helped me build skills in that area. And then as I kind of got tired of adjuncting, which everybody does, um, <laughs> it was just too hard. It was too much. You have to work like crazy. Everybody knows it's not an ideal situation. So I yep. you know, made a really conscious decision probably a year ago and launched my business and have been doing it ever since. And things have gone so well. And all of that academia time is still serving me so much and has really just like made me mm-hmm. who I am. I question everything, which is what I, you know, yep. with sociology, like that's yep. what I want yep. my students to do. And as I also continue to question everything, I was like, I got to get out of higher ed. <laughs> so mm. here I am. <laughs> you're like, oops, I questioned myself I out of it. <laughs> it's like the never ending rabbit hole of questioning everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, that's the gist of it. Awesome. So what's what's your business? What do you do now that you're uh, getting you're, you're thinking outside of the academia? Yeah, so I am a life and business coach for chronically ill creatives and entrepreneurs, which is kind of a mouthful, but very specific. But well niched, I love it. Yeah. That's great. Very specific. Yep. Exactly. I never ever thought I would be someone who would niche down. Like I'm so, right. <laughs> like that one was that was tough for me. However, you think the academics would be able to nail that, right? It's like, you got to do it in a yeah. dissertation. So. Yeah. yeah, that's super funny because I just, yeah, I'm like, I have too many passions. I have too many things I want to be interested in. Mm, like, I can't pick, true. which is something I help my clients with mm-hmm. uh, now. But then I just realized like, oh, I need to, to, to become the thing that I needed when I was trying to transition mm-hmm. into this business. Mm, yes. That's Isn't perfect. that the best realization? Yeah, it's good I love stuff. It. And so I ended up with this super niche down business that I'm so passionate about. And like chronically ill people, like we need a specific set of tools that is not mm. necessarily what everyone else online is saying you should be doing. Ah, yes. I love, I love when people recognize, Derek and I were just talking about this as we're, I don't know, working on some new material for our own folks. And um, this idea of like, the template and the blueprint and the here, just go do this and everything's fine. And then when you like dig in, you're like, oh, it doesn't work the same for X or Y mm-hmm. or Z. And so you realizing that um, is huge. And then that's how you carve out, right? Your own sub niche area that you are, you can get recognized for relatively quickly because then it's like, oh yeah, that doesn't work for people like us or people in this, you know, and then lay out your ideal client or student or customer. So yeah, very cool. it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's just so funny to like, you know, to your point, that idea of like a toolkit or like a blueprint or a framework, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think is helpful. But if you like, aren't willing to recognize what you need and that like you have to like what you're Mm. doing if you're going to make it Mm. um and it has to be Mm -hmm. sustainable like it's just not going to work yep 
Awesome. So tell us a little bit about that beginning part. That's, I think, a lot of listeners like to hear about what you were thinking as, because you kind of were like, yeah, and so I was adjuncting. And then I, (laughs) a year ago, decided to jump into this. So maybe go back to that time, um, what it was like, what, like where you were going for help. I think that's always really cool Mm -hmm. too. Like, because I think as academics and teachers, we're not necessarily prepared to quote unquote, be a CEO. So we're diving into this new world that we're not trained for. So where were you looking for advice and, uh, you know, step-by-step game plans and that kind of thing? So I, up until a year ago, like there's a lot of other entrepreneurial endeavors that happened before a year ago, mm-hmm. which is usually pretty common. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. that's good to point like, out. There was yeah. some Mary Kay in there. Like I, I did all the things. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, I had a food blog for like five minutes, but <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'm a firm mm-hmm. believer mm-hmm. that all of those exper- all those experiences like really set me up to be ready. Yep. A year ago to do the real thing Mm -hmm. that I wanted to do. Um, I love that. And I think so much of the time, like when we're like, I don't know what I want to do, which was super common for me. Like I knew I, it was just terrifying. Mm. So like last year, about this time, more than a year ago, like a year and a half ago, I had kind of been on this cycle, which any chronically ill peeps listening will relate to this. Um, I didn't want to admit that I was sick. And I was diagnosed mm. with rheumatoid arthritis when I was like seven. So this is a wow. lifelong thing for me. And mm-hmm. so many of us who are like not so sick that everybody else can notice and it's invisible enough that we can mm-hmm. kind of just pretend to be normal. Like I was doing that mm. for a long time and was in pretty active denial that like my chronic illness mm. wasn't going away. You know, I'm not like everybody else. And So I was going through this cycle of like taking on all the adjuncting classes. Like I know some adjuncts have a tough time getting employed and I'm grateful that that has not been the case for me in my area of the Midwest. It's just everybody wants me to teach a public speaking class for them. And so I had been taking on a bunch of classes and then burning out and then my health would suffer and it was terrible. And Mm -hmm. instead of just like admitting like, hey, we have a problem here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did that for a number of years and like a year and a half ago, two years ago, I hit my version of rock bottom with that lifestyle. And I just like physically, emotionally, spiritually, what have you could not go back to the way I was doing it before. Mm. It was just not an option. Um, so I had to really make a choice and not mind you, it wasn't this like I'm going to make a choice and be the thing I need. Like it was way scarier and messier and gray area. Yeah. Gray area. -er. I swear I'm an academic. (laughs) (laughs) I like that one. Yeah. Um, You know, I, I had to decide, okay, I can't keep going back and teaching like eight, nine classes a semester. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Wow. Guys. (laughs) Um, So, I burned out and I was like, I can't do this anymore. I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but went through this period of time where I was like, well, I'm just going to try and go back to eight to five, which we all know how that story ends here because here I am Mm -hmm. uh, a year and a half later. Mm -hmm. And there was this actually really momentous kind of occasion last early last summer where I had applied for like the first real job, not real job, but you know, um, I had applied for 
was like in this training position for a bank and it was going to be like a really shiny job. And I made it to the last round of interviews and I had to give this presentation to this team of executives and I pulled the plug before I could make it to that last interview. Ooh. Yeah. And I just realized like, this isn't what I want. This is not sustainable. Mm. And Mm -hmm. that was a, that was a really, really important choice that I made. And Mm -hmm. it also kind of Mm -hmm. proved to me that I could trust myself, which, which has been big. Ah, And I also at that time, so like, (laughs) I wasn't adjuncting anymore. I just said no to this great job on paper, you know, I was just like, I don't even want to do the last interview. And I turned around and spent money. (laughs) I invested in this program called Discover Your Dream Business um, from a coach who I love, Michelle Hmm. Ward. Um, And that's where this business was born. And from there, Ah. everything has kind of continued to tick on. And now here we are on this podcast that when you boom, boom, boom. when you ask about like, where is I going for help? I was obsessively listening to this podcast. Is it true? So, like I'm fangirling pretty hard over here. I had to, I had to really bring it in today because I'm like, this, this is not yeah. a big deal, but it is a big deal. Um, I was teaching some classes at like high schools that were like way too far away from me in the middle of winter. And mm-hmm. I need more sleep than other people because of my illness. And just <laughs> as miserable as you can imagine and like an adjunct in that situation yep. being like this podcast was so helpful because I'm like, these people get me. They understand. Yeah. Oh, so, I love it. There, Yeah, that's yay. Well, and now you get to share your story and exactly. inspire someone now. I love it. So cool. That's yeah. why we do this, really. Right. Derek listened to a lot of the early episodes, too. He was the audio editor. So <laughs> as much as he wasn't there, he was yes. for sure. Oh, I got very familiar with, yeah, all the episodes, <laughs> you all You know guests. everybody almost yeah. as yeah. well as I do. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Right. Probably better than me. That's the thing is like, for me, I show up, it's like we're having coffee. And then I forget that it like lives on past <laughs> that moment in a way that That's like, so <laughs> I've met a couple of people in, in real life now and it's been cool. And it's like, oh yeah, like the conversation comes back to me, but it doesn't feel, I don't know how to explain it. It's, yeah, that's it's super, super weird. <laughs> Very different than other mediums. <laughs> it's for super sure, 2019 it. weird. It's and fun. also um, one for of sure. the guests, Dr. Gladys Atto, I actually reached out to her oh, yeah, because I loved love her. her episode so much and was just like yes, <laughs> on yes. said car ride, just like sobbing <laughs> to myself. And I was like, I have to find <laughs> yep. this woman. So she had a great, a great yeah, interview. That was a great one. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you like follow her and keep up with her. And she's doing really great things too. It's been fun to watch her grow as well. I I think um, what is so cool about like doing this over a length of time too is like, yeah, we just hung out with a bunch of academics mean business people. They were in town for Pat Flynn's. Um, he's kind of a popular academics mean business kind him. of person. Like the way, yeah, yeah, he's just a great way that he breaks down stuff for, for online businesses for sure. So he's definitely an entry point for mm-hmm. a lot of academics. Mm-hmm. He was for me too. Anyways, we were all hanging out and it's so cool to see how people have grown and right. like where their businesses are going. And um, we hang, hung out with Dave Ng, who's like, I think he's like episode nine or something. He's super early. One of the early ones. Yeah. And his episode was about how he didn't have a business. And and now he's like doing this really cool thing. He has like, I don't know. I love it. I think it's such a fun, a fun experience for sure. Um, and yeah, very cool. 
So let's talk a little bit about the way your business is structured. I think that's also cool. Um, based on your teaching, based on your health and your and and all of that stuff that you've brought up recently, sorry. or sorry, in the interview. But so what do you, what, like, how did you go out about designing your dream business um, and what choices you decide to make about how you wanted to deliver, you know, for, so for your people? Really? <laughs> I'm I'm seeing this pattern recently in myself that I don't like I'm not a person who like has this big plan and this big vision and then I'm like okay I'm gonna go do that I really just kind of jump mm. in and then learn as I go and yeah. honestly like yep. it reminds me of teaching in the classroom so much because if I have this mm. really rigid plan that I want my students to follow like I do them in disservice because I'm not listening mm-hmm. <laughs> God, I love it. That's, that's like, like what we teach. That's, that's our, like the core of what yeah. we teach in like course creation in the industry. Cause like people don't, they want to make their course mm-hmm. perfect right out the bat. And I'm like, that's, I would never have thought to do that. Like right. in, like in my first class ever, I downloaded all the <laughs> syllabi. I like yeah. over prepped like crazy. And then you get there and you're looking at live humans and you're like, oh yeah, this is all yeah. going to shit. Right. <laughs> so relatable. So it's funny. like, well, I should just light all these on fire. Yep. <laughs> None of this is going to work. That doesn't make any sense anymore. Yeah. And I think, (laughs) too, uh, not to get totally off track, but like not everything can be prescriptive either. Mm, For sure. And we just want to make it this like, this is what I did and this is what you should do. And it's, you know, not that simple. Mm. That's why I think teachers are so valuable in this industry. I don't think we're going off. Like, (laughs) I think this is important when you connect our skill sets as educators, we actually can be really successful in business. I think what I'm recognizing as I watch many teachers enter this industry is, um, and myself included, right? But from my own experience, like, oh, I am less than these other people who maybe are a couple years ahead of me in business in general, but like also this wasn't my plan. So let me be an academic and go research everything and study stuff and try to do it perfect. And then I'm like, oh, wait, actually, this is just like teaching. And I come in with skills. Like I'm not, I, you know, that those skills actually make me a really good CEO. If only I saw them as positive skills from the get go and less, of I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a fish out of water running a business just because it wasn't my plan. And I think if we keep focusing back that like running a business is like experimenting in the classroom and there's such a parallel there. So I think you highlighting that is, is super I valuable. I am nodding so hard mm-hmm. over here right now. <laughs> and I know everybody can see it, but I'm like, yeah, Lindsay, like, preach. This is so good. Um, yeah. And this is so funny. Like, I guess I haven't reflected on it in this particular way, but I guess I was just open to like being a researcher. Like I wasn't going in saying mm. to myself, like, this is the way it's going to be. This is the way I want it to be. I had no clue. I also didn't mm-hmm. really know what my clients mm-hmm. needed much more beyond what I knew I mm-hmm. needed, which was a great jumping off point. Yep. But so when I started, I just like got one client and just started there. And really, you know, yeah. Something you were talking about, Lindsay, I think is really interesting. Where like in academia, it's so much about, you know, perfection really is valued. Yeah. Yes. And that's, I think, the hardest transition for a lot of us is like you have not only not like need to let go of perfectionism, but you need to do the opposite of that (laughs) to move forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You actually get a bunch (laughs) of Fs. That is the worst. My GPA is fantastic. (laughs) That was a tough. And I think it was <laughs> right. <laughs> I think it was the thing too that like kept me away though. Ah. Uh, because I'm gonna have to screw this up, you know. 
It's funny you say that. And I feel like my experience in grad school is different than a lot of people's experiences. But our, I remember being the type of academic that I was getting into the field of, of experimental mm-hmm. science. Our, uh, my advisor said uh, about an undergrad student coming through that was going to start working in the lab. And she said, oh, she has uh, an, a straight A GPA 4.0, but don't worry, she's going to be good in the lab. And it's like, that was actually negative that the person was a 4.0 because you, you wanted them to be comfortable mm. being messy and imperfect in a lab setting in that you're you're just experimenting and you can't have everything go perfect all the time. And it's it's almost expected that stuff's not going to work. It is expected. Obviously, stuff's not going to work every time. But if you're not comfortable with that yet, it could, it could be a real problem, I think, in like research science and at least my area in academia. I love how like, it's like, oh yeah, that's the hard sciences. And then when you're in the social sciences, we have to prove ourselves (laughs) so much to be like legitimate, like legitimate, right? Comparatively to uh, people who can run like scientific, well, I shouldn't say they can run experiments without like the human variable where I had to do a lot of theorizing and explaining things uh, that we couldn't quote unquote prove. Mm -hmm. But that is, that is fascinating to think about from, um, and that language of experiment, right? you actually like you you were an experimental physicist so it's like oh yeah we were like of course like the likelihood that we're going to find the perfect answer is just like so small so it's like not even a big deal for you right. where i think for me and Raquel might be able to speak to this too as a as a comm major or a comm you know uh researcher it's like when you're in the communications right like you're writing there's something about writing Ooh. in perfection <laughs> and like mm. and and sounding smart and Derek and I used to because when we we were dating when we were in grad school together and or sorry we were married let me clear that up <laughs> well, no, actually, that's not true yeah. master's work we did master's work dating yeah. um I, we would always laugh about this because like the, the social scientist, you know, has to be like digging into like one phrase and what it could possibly mean. And Derek's like, wait, what? Like you guys spend an hour on like a paragraph in a book and we're just like quickly like cranking through numbers and being like, okay, that's it. And then his writing of his dissertation versus mine was like everything was front loaded in obviously the actual experiments itself and collecting the data and the writing your professor was like said, Mm -hmm. don't even start writing yet. And this was like six months out where I was writing for like three years (laughs) (laughs) to get to my point. And so that's also like, I guess just the way yeah November and I was planning on finishing in like June and, and yeah, I was like, Oh, I started, you know, outlining stuff, working on my dissertation. And she's like, why you're so far away. (laughs) Mine was like three years prior. Like, that's making me nervous <laughs> just hearing that. <laughs> like, right? Me too. I was just like, what? I know. Which it's funny because I'm not really a planner. Mm. He really is. But it's just part of that's just how we do our work, right? Mm-hmm. It's just different work. But right. yeah. So I love that, like highlighting. There might be some scientists listening being like, yep, actually, I totally get that. <laughs> but I think it's valuable coming into this space where you're comfortable with experimentation. We always talk about this with marketing mm. budgets and plans and stuff. Yeah. You're just, you know, you, you understand that this is a test. You're running a little experiment and you're seeing what works. And if it works, you keep going and push harder in that area. Some stuff's going to fail. Let it, let it fail. That's fine. You still mm-hmm. learn something from that. We always tell our students the same thing. Yeah, for sure. So what in, yeah, your, in I, your sorry in Raquel in your business uh, now is is there a, a teaching component to it? Are you do you have students? So do you have a course? I am in the process of launching my first group program 
So it's so timely that I'm on this show. So like for the mm-hmm. past year and a half, Perfect. I was like, I just need some one-on-one clients and we need to figure out how this is even going to look. Yep. And what these people need, what they're like, you know, what kind of clients I don't want to serve and which ones I do. And I've been doing that (laughs) for this whole first year and having a chronic illness, like it was pretty obvious to me that I need to start moving towards a more sustainable business model. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think most Mm -hmm. of us start with one-on-one when we're not, you know, just trying to kind of experiment and gain knowledge and get to know these people and you know, what are the themes that come up for everybody? And so I'm like, I need to make a bigger impact. I need to be able to let go of these other jobs that I'm doing and I need to focus. So my first group program is actually launching uh, in September of 2019 this year. And I'm doing like Mm -hmm. an eight week program for people who are chronically ill and they need to be creative, multi-passionate people. Maybe they have a business, maybe they don't. But what we're going to do over that eight weeks is they're going to pick a specific project that scares them. (laughs) And we're going to actually make some progress or complete the thing, depending on how large it is and share it with the world. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. That's really awesome. I could just imagine how how positive it makes you feel with your students too, like getting them through something that you went through and, and you're seeing that they are struggling with and yeah, they need support it's for. Just doing this business is like, I would do it for free. Like, that's how I know I'm, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I'm not doing it for free. And like, that's been a learning curve too. Like, right. I need to charge good. Right, right. But yeah. it's so full circle and cool. And it also holds me accountable which is super interesting. So like I'm huge on sustainability and authenticity Mm -hmm. and the willingness to be vulnerable, accepting your limitations. So like if I'm saying that stuff to my clients and my students now, like I have to go do those things Mm -hmm. (laughs) and there's no way for me Mm -hmm. to get away with Mm -hmm. not, you know, being willing to admit when stuff is unsustainable. And that's kind of what I'm doing in making this transition into the groups. And when I first kind of got out of the in-person classroom with students, like that's just a lot of energy. And I also was kind of just mm-hmm. burnt out on the experience in general. So I'm like one-to-one to be, will be good for now. And after mm-hmm. enough time, I was like, these people need to meet each other. Like, mm, yeah, there's community happening. There's there for a sure. whole yeah. other layer of stuff that like my clients aren't yeah. seeing yet because they haven't been in a group setting with these people who are living the same lives as them. Mm, <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, that that's kind of where I'm at in that journey and figuring out like I'm flexing that teacher muscle so much. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's what I was just going to ask. Like, what do you, what do you see as some of the benefits coming from the education space to be able to make a transition like that? Um, yeah. Are, are there some skills that you feel like you've picked up that are serving you in going into group coaching versus one For sure. So I think we kind of talked about this before. I think the most important thing is just knowing that I can plan and prep and decide all these things, which I am doing. But as soon as I meet these people, and get to know yep. that group dynamic, that structure really just becomes like a guide to yeah. me in the backdrop so that I can yeah. actually respond in real time to like what my students need, what they're interested in. Um, so the willingness and knowing that I get to be flexible and kind of that I have to be. Mm-hmm. That's a big mm-hmm. one. And also like as I'm going to 
prepare this and get ready for this, I'm approaching it like I would a class because that's how I know to do it. Yep. Like I need to come up with some kind of course schedule and syllabus and like, what are the core learning objectives I want people to walk away with, you know, and, and my teaching style, which has always been really focused on like hands-on experiential, we're doing the thing. Like my public speaking class on day one, um, for so many years, I've said like, this is basically public speaking fear factor. (laughs) (laughs) There might be cockroaches, but we'll deal with that later. (laughs) And I also just had this moment where I'm like, oh my God, what if there's people on here that like have no idea what fear factor is? (laughs) Oh, I know. (laughs) Too young. Old school reality TV. Yep. Um, Classic. Yeah. Well, and so I know like for those students and pretty much anybody, you have to just do the thing like, yeah. yep. as someone who's intellectual and loves to read and research and learn like that can be a hindrance sometimes. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. people like us have to go do the stuff. So in public mm-hmm. speaking, like day one, we're doing improv stuff and they all hate me, but then they love me at the end of the class. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, really not until this conversation am I like, I'm bringing that same exact skill set and knowing that people just need to, they need to be public with what they're doing to realize the world is not going to fall apart. It's like, for sure. Forward. I love yeah. it. I feel like I just had this idea of like, you're, you know, you're a really good teacher when like your students hate you for like a little bit, but then they get it <laughs> on the other side. Like that's, right, that's right. growth. you right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. They definitely hate me at the beginning. Well, and also like, Public speaking is a gen ed that like nobody wants to take. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> nobody wants to take my class. Like, yeah, so that's, a really... oh, that's tough. That's like Derek and his too, I think a little bit. Some, no, that's not true. The um, like nursing students, right? Yeah. 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 People are afraid of it, but yeah, it's fine. <laughs> People they don't know what beginning. my class is when they signed up. So <laughs> I, I win. They're just like, whatever, this fits my schedule. I don't know how, what is this thing? And that it's pretty fun. <laughs> that's so the sociological imagination. Yep. Correct. They're like, what the hell? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, you know, I just, I know that students like need to get thrown into stuff. And so do my students in my business Mm -hmm. and my clients. Like that's, you can read for years, which I did like was uh, reading blogs and listening to podcasts and gathering all the info. And then eventually I was like, "Mm, I've been gathering info for like three to five years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Maybe we should analysis paralysis is definitely real. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like I was gonna say something and I lost it, which is also something I say many times per day. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. What day is it? That's I used to say that all the time too. <laughs> I feel like the theme is uh whatever that quote is from Mike Tyson, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. Oh, there you and go. Then, <laughs> I've never I think, heard that uh, quote. No, I, I don't really, think I have I either. think that's business, like in a nutshell, like you can read all you want, you can, and teaching too, yeah. you mm-hmm. can plan everything. But then the second you step in the classroom, second you make a Facebook post or go live talking about a business, you know, product or something, your, your plan goes out the window because you're going to get <laughs> yeah. thrown so many things you were not expecting or didn't even know were possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, I think that planning for student experiences or one-on-one can be a giant hindrance because Mm -hmm. like I said before, like I'm not listening then. Like I'm just putting my stuff onto them and I'm unable to really like get the opportunity to hear what their problems are and digest those fully. So I remember the thing I was going to say, it usually comes back. Um, When it comes to teaching a class that not a lot of people want to be in for eight years, like I've had over a thousand students And 
I realized like that has really toughened me up. I bet. Yeah. Being an online business, because I'm like, I already know what it's like to have a good time teaching people who don't want to be in there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like the growth stuff is hard. That's what they want. They want the transformation, but they don't want to do the work. And I think Mm -hmm. a teacher is primed really well to notice that Mm -hmm. um, versus someone who might think, right out the gate, like, oh, I'm doing, I'm teaching them poorly. Cause I I don't know, like, why aren't they engaged or why aren't they getting it? Or why aren't they showing up? And it's like, oh, because actually what I'm trying to make them do is really freaking hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point too. And (laughs) the funny thing, and I think, you know, anyone who's taught in academia will relate to this is when a student is like, well, this is hard. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That means you're doing it right. Yeah. Um, But I really, really cherish getting to do stuff in my business because people want to be here specifically Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like have a real investment and learning about themselves and moving forward and are my kind of people. So it's like when I meet these new clients and these new students, like I already know that we share this basic life experience that Mm. is just there's an instant camaraderie and there's some really weird stuff that like all of us have in common. Mm. Well, all like 30 of us that I know, but <laughs> it's not a representative sample, but I'm not in academia anymore, so I don't have there to There you go. That. We don't have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah. No. They just all about the generalities not coming for here. my business. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's interesting also coming from a teaching background into business in general. And you, as much as we say, uh, don't stick to the plan so much. You have to have some sort of structure. And I think that takes a teacher to recognize when uh, something needs to be changed, but then also when to stick to your guns Mm. and like say, no, I know this is actually important. Like, even if you don't feel like you need it right now, trust me, this is actually really important for you to push through and and to make that decision on the fly with a group of people in front of you. Yep. That's definitely a teaching skill. There's confidence behind that. Yeah. And we're trying Mm -hmm. to, it's funny because Derek and I co-teach in our program and we're basically being super meta here, but like we're teaching people how to be teachers in that program who have never gone through our experiences that we have as educators. So that's why I love where we're going with this podcast is because I want to mix all of that because I think someone who's never taught a course, but is looking to create a course in their business can get a ton of value just from our back and forth about this, like even just this conversation, right? But just to communicate, I think it took me a really long time to even recognize that I even had these skills because then my Mm -hmm. students would ask these questions and I was like, oh, you don't, oh yeah, that's just like second (laughs) nature. It's become second nature, right? Which again, Mm -hmm. why you can't have a plan because you don't realize that they don't know stuff as the expert. We talk about that (laughs) a lot too. Um, But yeah, I think I'm like really enjoying this conversation. It's getting really meta. And I think where Derek and I are also currently improving our our product right now. So we're going through and making and filling up some gaps and like recognizing where we need to add some material or reorganize. So we're reshuffling and it's been, gosh, nearly a year. It's been like about nine months since we've edited this content. And um, Mm -hmm. so we're getting really, I'm already thinking about teaching and how we communicate teaching and uh, developing teaching skills through experience. And uh, so anyways, I think that's part of why that's coming up so much in this combo, but uh, super fun to talk about with other educators, right? Sure. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. And like, particularly that piece about, I think Derek, you said it about knowing when to be like, oh, this isn't working. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. oh, it is, but they just don't like it. 
but they will. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I know what don't your get is going to think about this. Like, so just trust me on this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got to eat their veggies, mm-hmm. even if they don't like them. Yeah, eat your vegetables, kids. Um, <laughs> I just thought of someone who Alex Sharfin talks about how it just hit me like this. Like, he's like, you see a light coming down a tunnel and other people think it's a train, but you know, it's like actually light and they just have to trust you. <laughs> so it's that moment of like, you're like watching this student and they're like, there's a train coming. You're like, no, it's a light. So like, the 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 um the exit is there or like the other side is there and that that moment of you know what's happening but they don't and you're like i promise mm-hmm. <laughs> okay promise it's way better on the other side yeah i promise it's not a train that is about to hit you i promise as you're saying that i think it's glaringly haha pun intended um <laughs> i'm full of dad jokes by the way <laughs> Oh, we'll do a disclaimer at the front. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, right. <laughs> full of dad jokes. Um, my one-on-one clients in my business, like one thing that is super impactful and important for people who are chronically ill and trying to move forward with like creative stuff or just deal with having a chronic illness. I think the biggest thing that was the game changer for me that like this is the train where I'm like, guys, this is not a train. Trust me, it's going to suck for a little while, but trust me on this one is just admitting that we have limitations and Mm. being willing to process that. Mm. Like that's not cute, shiny stuff. Like I'm not going to put that on like an advertisement, right? Nope. (laughs) Nobody wants to process grief around chronic illness. Like that doesn't sound like fun, Um, (laughs) but it's absolutely necessary. And the thing that I found that really made me start this business was like, as soon as I was willing to be like, fine, you know, I have to do something different. I have to listen to my body. There was so much energy. And so many of us with chronic illnesses are deal with serious fatigue. Like we already mm-hmm. are lacking energy that a lot of people mm-hmm. have. And what I found was I was spending so much energy fighting what the truth was. Uh. And when I was able to admit defeat and like process, not defeat, but like process that like, okay, this is what the rest of my life is probably going to look like. I had all this energy all of a sudden Mm. to like be creative because I wasn't trying to fit myself into this mold of like what I should be able to do. Mm. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. That's the train. That's the, that's the train. <laughs> that's the one where I'm like, oh, who guys, wants to like, sign up for the train of Kel's program? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I get it. Secrets. Yeah, that's, yeah. Right. There's a lot more fun stuff uh, than that one, I promise. But um, <laughs> that's super important and changed my life. And hopefully, mm. like the people I work with, we can get them to that point before, you know, they've been teaching eight classes and they physically can't go on. Mm. I don't want that for anybody else. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, cool. Yeah. yeah. Th- thanks for sharing your story and your uh, yeah where you're headed. Sounds exciting and fulfilling. Definitely. Looking forward to seeing where uh, where it takes you. So, uh, where can people find you online, or if they want to learn more about you and your programs, where would they go? Sure. So, I uh, I have a website. It's just my first and last name, which I think you guys will put in the show notes because um, <laughs> it's kind of a doozy. It's just RaquelHellinga.com. and mm-hmm. I'm also on Facebook. My business page is Raquel Chronic Illness Coach, and that's also mm-hmm. my Instagram handle. So, you can catch me on any of those places. Um, dropping truth bombs as <laughs> one of my go. clients says truth bombs yeah um all of the time and just like sharing who i am as a person because i think so many of us like have so much in common but if we're not sharing like our day-to-day lives we we're missing an opportunity so 
Yes. That's where you can find me. And I would love to have you, um, if you're hearing this and you're chronically ill and you're an academic, <laughs> I'd love to uh, <laughs> just just talk and get to know you more and mm. see if I can convince you that that light coming down the tunnel is a light and not a train. <laughs> There we go. That's what we're going to call it. It's a light, not a train with Raquel. Lights, not trains. It's a light, not a train. I promise. (laughs) Title of the episode. There we go. Well, thanks so much. It's been so fun hanging out. And I'm so glad that you've been a member of the community for so long and that now you're here sharing your story. That's why we're, that's why I'm here, man. That's why I'm doing this. So I appreciate you more than you know. I thank you guys so much. This has been uh, just a full circle moment for me and really awesome to talk to you more. And thanks a lot. I'll see you around the internet. (laughs) Definitely. Take care.